Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Welcome again to another episode of Homeschool Together. Before we get started, we're going to be talking a lot today about state requirements. Scary, scary, scary stuff always. <laughs> um, but before we start, I just want to make sure that everybody is connecting with us on social media. We have our Facebook group, Homeschool Together Podcast. Want you to make sure that you find us on Instagram at Homeschool Together Podcast. Ariel is the social media person and she is running the social media account, doing lots of great things, posting pictures and a bunch of information and making comments. So feel free to reach out and connect with her there. If you have any questions regarding any of the topics that we're going to discuss today, feel free to take a look at the show notes. Um, That will be in the podcast description notes. Also, we'll be linking that on our social media accounts on Facebook and Instagram. So make sure you hop over there if you have any questions or issues. So today we're going to be talking about state requirements. And this can be one of the scariest things that people first encounter when they start doing homeschooling, all the rules and regulations, because it is outside of the typical educational experience, outside of the public educational experience, which can be this monolithic element that kind of runs in the background of most people's lives. Yeah, it's very prescriptive, right? This is this is different, and there's a lot of legalities to it. Yeah, and so each state, and maybe hopefully to our international listeners, different customers. <laughs> I don't have much information on that, but... Yeah, there, there, there are going to be different countries out there that maybe have different rules as well. So it's going to be very important. What we're going to do today is kind of not try to tackle every single different type of rules and regulations for every different type of state. What we're going to do is kind of break it into about three pieces. We're going to discuss a low regulation state or a low regulation environment a medium regulation environment, and then a high regulation environment. And we'll discuss kind of the things that you'll see in each and one of, each and every one of those and what type of rules and, and regulations and type of things that you may encounter on that. So we'll just jump right into it. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, there's no national homeschool law. Every state gets to come up with their own regulations. Yeah. So that makes things a little bit more challenging. Yeah, everybody's got their, their own utensils in the pot and they're all stirring it and it's a little bit different right and even between say low regulation states there may even be small changes small tweaks you know oklahoma may have a different thing than texas or Mm -hmm. idaho may have a different thing than washington yeah and so you'll want to make sure you catch the nuance of your state and in the show notes we're going to provide you a link to kind of a collection of all the rules of every single state but We're going to go ahead and discuss three of them today. So we're going to start with the low regulation state. Right. Also known as a no, a no notice state. A no notice state and the great state of Texas, the Lone Star State. (laughs) Um, Right. Yeah. That's going to be our, just our first example. Uh, No notice meaning you don't have to tell them that you're homeschooling. Okay. Uh, So 
yeah, it's it's uh, pretty easy to homeschool in Texas because all homeschoolers are private schools. You don't have to notify anybody. You don't have to have any specific parent qualifications to homeschool. There's no assessment requirements from the state as far as the, the progress of your kiddo. Uh, they just require that you teach a couple of basic subjects, your math, uh, English, spelling, grammar, and citizenship. Good citizenship. Good citizenship. It's ever important. And uh, they require that you use a written curriculum and start educating your kiddo by the time they're eight. And that's kind of it for, for a, a low-regulation state. That gives you kind of an idea of the, the flavor of what they would require. Yeah. And so written curriculum, we're unsure like what they're asking for there. So you may have to dive a little bit deeper, maybe contact the local school board or local representative, see yeah. if they can clarify that for you, especially for parents that may not have... Um, a written curriculum like unschoolers and things of that nature. Yeah, I'm not sure how it affects unschoolers. If there's any uh, Texas or low-regulation unschoolers out there, I'd love to hear how this works for you. If you want to engage with us on Facebook, I I would love to know. This is one of those areas where your state's homeschool organization or association is going to be so ultra-helpful. In the show notes, we have a link to a website that can take you to each individual state's association. So that would be super helpful. And we'll also have a link in the show notes to the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, which is where we, we got this data for the the low, moderate, high regulation. And it'll give you an overview of what's required in your state. And for a membership fee, it'll even give you the documents you need to provide. So very, very helpful. I think the membership fee is pretty low. and I don't even, I don't yeah, know what it is. And if you're is, deciding but... to homeschool for any length of period or you're deciding that this is going to be the way to go, these type of organizations are things that I think are willing to you're willing to kick a few bucks at because yeah. they are either providing that information, giving you that support or providing you that legal framework to protect your rights as a homeschooler. Right. I mean, there are legal advocates and the same thing with your association organizations. Those are the guys that are on the front lines of uh, protecting our right to home educate our children. Okay. So let's talk about a, a moderately regulated state. And it happens to be, ding, 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 our state. Yeah. We'll just use Washington as an example. The great state of Washington. uh, Because it's something we're super familiar with in in the requirements here. And you'll be able to see the difference between what uh, low and moderate regulation means. Uh, We have a compulsory age of of eight to start educating our children by. That's, you know, I'm... You know, since we're still young parents, eight years old is, I think, second grade or first grade? It's second grade. Wow, that's second grade. Second, third. So you don't actually have to start until you're second grade. That seems a little, you know, I think for the average person, it seems a little late. We're all starting homeschooling and preschool a lot lot younger. So other states. It's very odd that it's an eight. eight Yeah, I don't know why it's that late. I mean, Texas is six and, and then a lot of other places is six. It's eight here, so we don't have to do anything. You are educationally free, as they would call it, until you're eight years old. And then we have to uh, file a declaration of intent, a letter of intent to say what we plan to do in this state. And we have to file that with our superintendent or with our school district, basically saying that we're not going to educate our our kids at school. So they don't think we're truant. Uh, So if we decide to do that, There's kind of two routes, and I was actually really interested to learn about this. We're very familiar with the parent-as-teacher route uh, because that's what we plan to do and and what I typically hear of people doing. But as I was researching on this on the Homeschool Legal Defense Association website, they actually said, yeah, you could be an extension of a private school, which I did not know. It was an option for us in this state. And if anybody out there is doing this in Washington state, I'd love to hear what that looks like for you because I think that that's really interesting. And then you would – all the rest of these requirements we're going to talk about for Washington state, they actually fall under 
what the requirements of the accredited private school is. So, okay, I have an accepted private school and whatever their requirements are for assessments and whatever they teach and all of those things, you just fall under them. So I think that's really interesting. It might work out really great for some families that find a private school that, that jives really well with them. Mm-hmm. It might be especially good for the faith-based homeschoolers out there. Yeah. So Texas has a kind of a wide open thing. For us in Washington, we do have some qualifications for the parent as a teacher. And so what do those look like? So we have to either, you know, be an accredited teacher ourselves, a credentialed teacher. So we can either be a credentialed teacher. We can have a certain... That's somebody who's gone through the formal process, got a teaching certificate, done the whole nine. Right. So you could be a teacher. That's, you know, plan number one. You could also have a certain amount of credit hours of college. So it's 45 quarter credits or 30 semester credits of college. So if you have a bachelor's degree good to go which which we do so so that's where we qualify the other option is you could take a parent qualifying course and those are pretty low cost they're offered online i don't know if they were online pre covid but they're online now because of it so you can take one of those courses or without any of those options you could decide to homeschool with the supervision of a certified teacher so if you have someone in your family that's a certified teacher and they can oversee your progress well this is that's great I, I didn't know about that yeah okay so if you have say a family member we we know some friends who have you know cousins or you know right. nieces and nephews that have yeah. parents that are teachers sure if you happen to be stuck because of covid and you got to start homeschooling that may be a great avenue for you if you don't sure. follow into these regulations. Also, it yeah. may be a great way to reach out and try to help navigate yourself through any type of teaching experience. Yeah, it's an interesting option. Okay. I think it's it definitely it's not a no work for the teacher because they have to they have to help you plan your, you know what you're going to homeschool. They have to meet with your student every week. They have to 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 provide or complete progress reports. We're not required to provide them to anybody but so th- there's some work there for a teacher but yeah if you have a teacher in your family that's a that's a great way although i I've, I've heard from many people that the parent qualifying course is really terrific even though we're qualified because of our bachelor's degrees and, and only one of us would have to have it by the way but we just we both happen to have our bachelor's I, I still think it might be interesting to take the parent qualifying course i've heard really good things about it and you can never have too much knowledge so i think that i probably will sign up and take it just so we have that Okay, cool. Yeah, and, they, and they may may find some information that you never knew about. Right? Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. just so much to learn, honestly. Yeah. So in a, a moderately regulated state, some school districts and some legal rules will require you to educate for a certain number of days. And so here in Washington, that number is 180. Right. So we don't have any hour requirements, but we do need to homeschool for 180 days. And we have to show that we've covered the 11 core subjects that Washington outlines. So in addition to math and uh, reading, you've also got science and physical education, foreign language, appreciation of the arts, occupational education. So there's a few more interesting things there, social studies. So we have to prove that we have educated every year to those 11 subjects in our state. And, And, you know, just from my, you know, we've only been doing this for about a year and a half, you know, going on two years now. A lot of the curriculums that we've chosen so far, I mean, I'm just looking at this list, we hit them automatically. The arts, the music, the math, the science. I mean, we hit these just by, and a lot of these right. curriculums will hit these elements naturally. Depending on what you choose, a lot of the the all-in-one type curriculums, they're trying to hit as many bases as they can. I mean, let's be honest. I, we were listening to Wagner today while drawing <laughs> right. aliens. I mean, That's art and music right there together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that the the, the curriculums I'm, are trying their hey, best. Listen, I'm offended <laughs> by your lack of appreciation for art and music. <laughs> I'm going to make sure Ariel takes a picture of our aliens and post it on Instagram. <laughs> so make sure you go and like that. And more likes, the better. It'll, 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 it'll smack my wife down and tell her that <laughs> art is important. Alien art while listening to Wagner. Listen, you know, it's abstract art. <laughs> I I don't want to diss the, the little lady. But man, that was some abstract alien art. <laughs> My alien art was really good. Her whale kind of looked like an eel. Nobody is grading you. Nobody's grading me. Maybe nobody's I'll slip, grading her either. I'll, I'll slip in my artwork under her portfolio. <laughs> How about the annual assessment of your child? So, in the state of Washington, we are required to complete an assessment of our child, and or have somebody who's a certified teacher complete an assessment. So that could be, so we, we could go and, and sign up for a standardized test, either one given by the public school, or we could go pay for a third party test okay. to be done. Or we could have a teacher sit down and, and take a look and, and judge her progress. So our requirement is that we have to do the assessment. We do not have to report the assessment. So the idea there is that we know if she's falling behind in a certain area, falling behind, I'm going to put this in air quotes again, with what the state thinks she should be at that level. And that just tells us what we might need to work on the next year. But there's no reporting or judgment from the state about how well we're doing or not doing. And we were talking before we started here that this is not something that we're going to be shooting low in our educational standards. Right. Nobody's trying to just meet the requirements. Yeah, yeah. We're not trying to just pass in our requirements. We're all, you know, as homeschoolers, as you know, families who are focusing on the education, we're all trying to shoot high here. And so these type of rules and requirements should hopefully be, you know, easy passes for a lot of families. But we know that, you know, some kids are late readers. Mm -hmm. Some kids are late math learners, you know, art and whatnot. They they just may be a little slow to that. So it's nice to have the ability to do the standardized testing without the pressure of reporting that to the state and worried about any type of kind of kickback or fallback or you know, hand slaps or or worries that you may lose your ability to homeschool your kids. We don't have that here in Washington. So it can be a little scary at first. And I think in the high regulation state that we'll talk about next, people may run into this problem. That's definitely true. And, and, you know, when you're looking at the, not only the assessment, but the subjects you have to teach to, Mm -hmm. to prepare for the assessment, those 11 subjects, this is again, where your homeschool organization or association is going to be so helpful. I see this question come up continual on the, continually on the Washington homeschool organization. How do I make sure I've taught to the 11 subjects? And they're just great about helping people navigate that. So as we start on the, the high regulation state, before we start, we have our first advertiser. <laughs> and that's U-Haul. <laughs> trying to find homeschooling families that may want to leave high regulation states. <laughs> Thank you, you all, for being a great sponsor to the Homeschool Together podcast. <laughs> Not endorsed in any way by you all. <laughs> Matt, Matt makes this joke because I was going over the show notes with him earlier and showing him, hey, you know, this is what Washington is. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I've heard about all that. I said, and well, here's what New York does. And he was like, oh, my God. And so he thought, wow, <laughs> call up you all and leave New York. But no, seriously, it's fine. If you live it's, in New York, it's great. It's actually real. <laughs> okay so no nothing against the state of new york uh, it's just going to be a little bit higher regulation than yeah. and what you might be used to in another state all right so new york high regulation state a lot of rules a lot of regulations i still think I, you know i still fall back on the previous comment that you know as a homeschooling community as homeschooling parents as people are focused on their education of their kids we are all shooting high 
-hmm. And a lot of these requirements should not impact you if you are really committed to this. I think it's just difficult because there's in states like this, there's just so many requirements, mm -hmm. right? In New York, you have to submit your individualized home instruction plan, your IHIP, which we, we talked about that term on, on one of the last shows. You have to submit that to to the superintendent. It's got to have a syllabus. These are all the materials I'm going to use this year. This is the textbooks I'm going to, I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to teach everything. This is exactly the curriculum I'm going to use. And I think that while we're all you know, obviously aiming high, we, we want to do a great mm -hmm. job educating our kids. The problem with it is that to me, it feels like it locks you in. Now, I, I don't know. I'm sure you can revise the IHIP. I, I don't mm -hmm. know the regulation specifically. I'm sure you can revise it and say, hey, this curriculum wasn't working for us. But what a hassle that you can't just adapt with your kiddo because it didn't work for you. Yeah, I mean, if the IHIP has to be like Arrow and I used to do way back in the Wayback Machine, we used to do the bakery out of our house. Yeah, we, we ran a, a cottage yeah, food bakery changing, farmer's market. Changing res, you know, recipes had to be resubmitted to the state and it was a pain. And if you have to right. do this, I can absolutely see that this can be a pain in the butt to a parent. Yeah, sure. It's it's just, it's it's another thing you have to and, do. And who knows if like, you know, we're all human beings and everybody has their own motivations. If the superintendent or this the person in the office of reviewing IHIPs is getting change orders all the time, you know, who knows what that's causing flags on people? Like, why are they changing from this curriculum to that curriculum? Yeah, who knows? You know, it's, it's nervous, nerve wracking. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think it'd definitely be hard to, hard to homeschool and, and feel that somebody wasn't watching over you. So where Washington has the days requirement, we have the 180 days, which I believe is in lockstep with what the public education requires is about 180 so. days. I believe so. Um, New York has an hours requirement as well. Right. So it's 180 days and 900 to 990 hours, depending on the, the grade that your child would be in in public and that, school. And that's four days, four to five hours a day. I mean, that's, right. If you yeah, if you only did 180 if you, yeah, days. Yeah, if you did not go all year round. Right, right. So that's, yeah, that's definitely a steep requirement. I'm sure, again, the New York uh, Homeschool Association or organization, whichever flavor they go by, is going to be ultra helpful in figuring out how to meet the hours requirement too. You know, it's not just things like sitting there with a workbook, uh, say yeah. this is, this is the only time we can count as school. I've seen lots of posts on the Washington homeschool organization side about you went to the park and, and you played for however well, many yeah, hours. That's have, PE. Yeah, if they have the requirements for the, um, the various subjects. I mean, in Washington we have the art, right? And if you're sitting sure. down doing art for an hour with your kid every day, that counts. Sure, you're, you're watching exercise. a documentary about yeah. Frida Kahlo, and yeah, that's your Kahlo art appreciation, today, yeah. right? So there's a lot of ways to fulfill it besides just sitting over a book and doing rote book work. So don't anybody get that impression? But yeah, it's not five hours of just like right. sitting at a desk teaching. But it is more regulation than uh, we're subject to, and a lot of places are subject to. There's only a handful of high regulation states like New York, and so they also have various subjects based on grades. Right. So each, whereas in Washington, we've got the, you know, the 11 subjects in Texas has, I think, four subjects they have to teach. In New York, the subjects you have to teach vary by grade. So it's really important to look on their website to for the, the state requirements and understand, okay, my kid's in grade four. What does that mean for me? Because they do change from year to mm -hmm. year. I, the, the basics stay the same, right? Your math, reading, writing, that stays yeah. the same. But some of the other ones do change. So it's just important to look it up by year. Okay. And then they also have as opposed to a yearly report or whatnot, they have a quarterly report? Yeah. So they actually need to 
you need to prepare quarterly progress reports for your child. Is that quarterly within the school year or so every in this case, that would be like 40 or 50 days. We don't know. You know, I, I'm i not sure. It's, okay. Yeah, they, they just listed as quarterly. What I thought was very interesting is you need to submit that to the superintendent. Wow. So you have to do a quarterly progress report to the superintendent. Then you have to do your yearly assessment. But unlike here, you actually have to submit that to, to your school district. And you have to show that your child is making, uh, is performing satisfactorily for the grade they would be and, in in public school or has made a year's worth of progress. by standardized tests. Yeah, usually that's the best way. Although it, it can okay. be done other ways to do an assessment, but but yeah, you actually have to every year you have to say what you're going to do. You've got to do it, and then you've got to prove that you did it in a high regulation state, which just does provide a lot of stress for families, I'm sure. Okay, well, so those are three examples, and obviously everybody's state and individual country is a little bit different, but these are a good flavor of the various rules and regulations you would yeah. have at these kind of. If you could imagine it broken into three tiers, like a low, medium, and high. They have all these different rules and regulations, obviously. Go into the show notes. Definitely go look at the Homeschool Legal Defense um, Association. Association to see what your rules are in your state and see how you can fit and meld with what they require you to do. Absolutely. Um, but there is an important just kind of a gotcha that you wanted to, to mention. Right. I did want to mention that when we talk about notifying your state and age of compulsory education. So here we have age eight and in different states, it's always different. It basically says we're educationally free until that age. However, if our child has been in public school, we can't just not show up <laughs> the <laughs> next year. So if I had signed my daughter for kindergarten and then because of COVID, I decide that I do want to homeschool, but she's under the age of eight, I still do have to notify the school district that we are do intend to homeschool, even though she's below the compulsory age because she has been in school. So that's just kind of an example. I just want everyone to know that little kind of trick to it that even if you're in a no notice state if you if you were enrolled for school you do have to unenroll your kid and file that you're gonna you're gonna homeschool and i'm sure there's probably some form or something that's on the yeah, again this is it. where the homeschool legal defense association or your homeschool organization or association for your state is going to give you all the forms that you need to to do that correctly and they're also going to give you the timing of when you need to submit the forms or your assessments things their their help is invaluable in this area. Okay. Well, so this podcast is talking a lot about uh, state requirements and, and the various rules and regulations that, that come into that. So we really encourage everybody to go to the show notes, take a look at those links. That's really where you're going to find the most information. Mm -hmm. Make sure you connect with us on Facebook, on Homeschool Together Podcast, and then also on Instagram on Homeschool Together Podcast. See all those really nice pictures that Ariel's posting all the time. <laughs> but we're now into our favorite segment of every podcast i do so love this segment i, I love coming up with it because I, I look around at what what's making us it's, happy it's what actually are we pretty, into? it's pretty easy we just said well, what's been hot this week and <laughs> yeah. what is hot this week it's the eboo create a story card i want to say that again eboo e-e-b-o-o -O, create a story cards so the older one came down showed this in front of me i didn't even know we had this yeah i totally picked it up like this assignment came sale last year yeah, and didn't did tell you about from? it <laughs> I, you she know, comes she, down and slaps this in front of me and says daddy do yeah so you know she she and i have been making up stories for quite a while where she tells a line and then i tell a line yeah, so i was hot. trying to get her out of just she'd see she'd see something on tv and then she would just parrot back the story to me so i've been trying to uh, get her to move outside that box so if she tells a line and i tell a line i can kind of move the story into new ways and also get out of the um everyone's a princess right everyone gets kidnapped by dragons and then they all die and then come back to life 
and they they're ghosts or something like that. Was that what she's? Doing this now? is what she's been doing. This is what she's doing. Well, at first it was uh, everyone's a princess. Everybody meets a prince charming, and everybody gets married. And the story always ended there. And so things have taken a slightly darker turn lately. She, she's having good character arcs and good value <laughs> shifts through her stories. She, she's ad- adapting in her story. Right. Joseph Campbell would be proud of her. But I have heard of uh, these story cards, and what they are basically is just just picture scenes of we we've got the animal village one but there's also a fairy tale mix up version that she'll probably get for christmas honestly and a Spoilers, robot <laughs> or like a robot mission one so i have links to them in the show notes so you can see but basically they're just pictorial cards that have a few characters doing something on each card and you draw them from the deck and you make the story up as you go along. They'd be awesome for dining out when that's allowed again. Right now we do that during lunch. And so we'll we'll have the, the story cards ready to flip over. And within the pack of cards, they're kind of, there's a, a recycling of characters. So like you'll, you'll tell a couple lines of the story and then the character will, another character will come in and then the, the, right. the previous character will come back. And so she's got to remember what's happened before. Yeah, it's really fun. It's fun for her to have to adapt the story to whatever mm-hmm. comes up. You can also lay all the cards out in front of you for an even younger learner and have them choose what would go next into the story. So really great and creative idea that's just very open-ended. And every day, multiple times this week, she's wanted to do that. So we just want to share with everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time. Happy homeschooling!